This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Some time ago, I had to have cataracts removed from my eyes. I'd already had one done, went back a couple of weeks later for the second one. And I walk up to the counter when I went into where they were going to remove it and and she said, well, it's good to see you, Mr. Lambert. Now, let's see, what is it that we're doing to you today? And she mentioned some procedure. I said, no, 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 you're, you're going to be removing a cataract from my eye. Oh, she said, I have you mixed up with another man who's just ahead of you, and his name is Lambert as well. Well, I thought that rather strange, but I was delighted they got it straightened out. So they got me ready to go in to have the cataract removed. I'm laying in this little room on a gurney, you know, and, and the other man was to go out first, and he was going to be ahead of me. And I heard the nurse say to him, Mr. Lambert, we will see you on the other side. And when she came in to get me, I said, uh, could I ask you a question? What is this business? about seeing us on the other side. And she just chuckled, and I got a little chuckle out of it as well. Well, today we want to talk about the other side. We want to talk about a time that Jesus made this statement, let's cross over to the other side. Stay tuned as we talk about that today. Now today we continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course we want to pause long enough for you to learn more about the course, how to receive the course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading today from Mark the fourth chapter, starting in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a, a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. And he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, in Mark chapter 4, had been teaching a, a number of parables. And Jesus used parables to teach some mighty powerful lessons. And, uh, and then after that, on the same day in the evening, Jesus told the disciples, let's, and of course Jesus meant let's get in a boat and let's cross over to the other side. What was on the other side? When they got in that boat with Jesus, 
and they crossed over to the other side, what did they find and what did Jesus do? Well, first of all, Jesus, as they were crossing over to the other side, showed his power over the destructive forces of nature. As we just read, there was a storm that arose. And they began to cry out and said, Don't you care that we are perishing? And so Jesus arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And there was a calm on the sea. You know, Jesus showed his power over the destructive forces of nature, over this raging storm. I want you to know that he can steal the storm, the tempest that is in your heart. In all probability, there are some of you watching, getting to know your Bible right now, who have a storm in your heart. And you wonder, what in the world am I going to do? Well, Jesus Christ, according to John 16, 33, can give you peace. According to Philippians 4 and 7, he can give you that peace that passes all understanding. He can still the tempest in your heart. According to Isaiah 26 in verse 3, if you trust in Him, He'll give you peace. He'll give you per perfect peace. And so you can have a calm in your heart. And we need to be still. And we need to wait on the Lord. Psalms 46 in verse 10. You see, Jesus Christ has the power to steal the tempest in your heart. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life. In all probability, there might be somebody watching right now who has the tempest of loneliness raging in your life. Maybe you've lost your spouse and you, 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 you're, you're just so lonely and you feel a lostness without that person. Maybe it's your wife, your husband. Maybe there's someone else that you lost in your life that you love dearly and you, you're, there's that nagging sense of loneliness eating away at you. I want you to know that Jesus can steal that tempest in your heart. We've got to trust in him because he said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. you may, a, 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 an elderly widow told me once, Brother Lambert, I may live alone but I am never lonely. I may live alone, but I am never lonely because I have the Lord with me always. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Uh, of the world. So that, there may be that tempest raging in your heart. I want you to know Jesus can steal that tempest. He can steal the tempest of fear. Oh, people fear so many different things in life, and, and uh, I don't know what you fear, but I, I suspect that all of us, if we were honest, fear something. Some may fear water. Some may fear heights. So some may have a fear of being in a crowd of people. I, I know people that just, they just, they just can't do that. They, they have a fear of being in the midst of a group of people. And, and some people fear failure. Some people fear death. They fear losing their, their, their job. They fear getting old. There's so many different things people fear. But fear is tantamount to unbelief.
when we have our faith in God and faith in Jesus. You see, according to Paul in 2 Timothy 1 7, God's not given us the spirit of fear. It was a spirit of fear that kept the children of Israel out of the land of, uh, of Canaan for 40 years, and they wandered in the wilderness. It was a spirit of fear. It was a spirit of unbelief. But I want you to know that Jesus can steal that tempest in your life. He can steal the tempest of anxiety. Uh, people talk about having anxiety attacks, and, and those are very real. Some have anxiety attacks. They're very real. They get anxious about things, and they, they worry about things. But I want you to know the Lord can steal that tempest. We have to trust Him. We have to rely on Him, and He can help us with that tempest. Casting all of your care on Him, for He cares for you, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. And then He can steal the tempest of temptation. Oh, it knocks on everyone's door, doesn't it? Someone says, well, I've never been tempted. You just were. You just were. You're being tempted to not tell the truth because all people are tempted. There's no temptation taken, man, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. So God is, is going to be faithful in helping to make a way for us to escape the temptation, whatever your temptation might be. And you, we are all tempted in different ways. Uh, through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. We're all tempted. And so Jesus Christ can steal the tempest in your heart. I want you to know He can bring calm to a troubled heart. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, 1. William Barclay, great, a noted commentator, was, was making some comments on Jesus stealing the tempest in Mark chapter uh, 4. And uh, he said, whether Jesus steals a tempest, I know not, but I do know he steals a tempest in my heart. Well, I know Jesus steals a tempest in Mark chapter 4, and I know that he can steal the tempest in your heart and in mine. Let's cross over to the other side, Jesus said. On the other side, Jesus showed his power over the demonic world. Go, go into chapter 5, and when they came into the country of the Gadarenes, they, they, they met a man who had been living in the tombs. He had an unclean spirit, and, and, and the man could not be bound. They, they, would, they would shackle the man and put him in chains, and then he would break them, and, and no one was able to tame this man. I, I suppose that we would just say that he was a wild man, a wild man. And when he saw Jesus... Well, what did the man do? He, he ran and, uh, to Jesus and he began to worship Jesus. And then Jesus said to that evil spirit that was in the, in the man, the unclean spirit, come out of him. Come out of the man. And Jesus and cast the, that uh, spirit out of the man whose name is Legion, if you notice in verse number 9. And uh, Jesus put the evil, unclean spirit into a, a herd of swine and they ran into the sea, they ran into the water, and they drowned. Now, the people began to observe the man who had been living in the tombs. They saw what a difference there was in this man. They, they saw that this man was now clothed. 
They saw that he was in his right mind. They knew him. They knew how he had been. He had been so wild that you could not tame him. He had been so wild that if you were to shackle him, he could break the chains. But now the man is sitting, clothed, calm, in his right mind. What a difference it makes, you know, when you encounter Jesus. And he wanted to go with Jesus, but this is what Jesus told him. said, you go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And you know, if the Lord has done something wonderful for us, we ought to be willing to tell somebody else about it. But here's where Jesus showed his power over the demonic world. It is my firm studied conviction that the casting out of demons ceased with the, end, with the ending of the age of the miraculous. And there are not multiple passages of Scripture that we can read showing that that actually occurred. That there were some men who tried to duplicate this on one occasion in Acts chapter 19. And this is what the sp evil spirit that they were trying to cast out of man said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? is as much to say, I know the power Jesus has, I know the power Paul has, well, well who, do you, who do you think you are? And I think that if there are those who do try to cast out demons today and claim they're casting out demons, and I, I would think those demons, if they could speak to them, would say, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who do you think you are? I do not believe with the ending of the age of the miraculous that, that we have that uh, power today. But Jesus still can deliver us from the power of Satan. He can deliver us from the, from the uh, uh, bondage that we're in with the devil. As a matter of fact, in Colossians 1.13, he says that he has uh, delivered us from the power of darkness. That's where Satan reigns and translated us into the kingdom, which is a kingdom of light in the kingdom of God's dear Son. And so we go from darkness to light. That's what Jesus can do. Jesus still has that power. He can take you and change you and make you whole again. I don't know all the people that are watching right now, but we have many, many people that watch. And some of you may have a tempest raging in your heart, and you may be fighting a battle with the devil. You may be fighting a, a battle with Satan every day that you live. I want you to know that you can overcome with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. And he also said that he that committeth sin is a servant of sin. But he also said, if the Son shall make you free, you will be free indeed. You see, Jesus can take the shackles of sin off your soul and set you free from your sins. Of course, in order to do that, you're going to have to obey the gospel. You're going to have to give your life to Jesus Christ by believing on Him and repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ. It was Jesus who said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's just, that's very simple, isn't it? That's just as simple as one, two, three. He that believeth, number one, 
is baptized, number two, shall be saved, number three. And when we obey the gospel by believing on Christ, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in Christ by being baptized into Christ, that our sins be forgiven, that we be saved from our sins, He removes the shackles of sin in His precious blood in whom we have redemption uh, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. What did they find on the other side? Well, as they were crossing over to the other side, that that Jesus showed His power over the destructive forces of nature and Jesus showed His power over demons, the demonic world, the unclean spirits, And just as surely as Jesus did that for the man living in the tombs, he can deliver us today from the power of Satan and the power of sin. On the other side, Jesus showed his power over disease. Now, if you'll notice in chapter 5, down about verse 25, that there was a certain woman that came, and, and she was in the crowd that was around Jesus. And this woman had been sick for 12 years. She had been sick for 12 years, and and she had gone to a lot of doctors. Some of you have gone to a lot of doctors trying to find help. I've known of people that go to multiple doctors trying to find help, go all over the country to, to, to places where they specialize in certain things, looking for help. This woman had been sick 12 years, suffered many things from many physicians. And she spent all she had, but she wasn't any better. She's just getting worse. So here's Jesus. And she, this woman comes to Jesus. She's in the crowd. And she touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus asked, who touched my clothes? Think about that. Jesus said, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? And it was this woman. You know, Jesus made our bodies, didn't he? He he made everyone. Jesus was involved in the creation of every living thing and every inanimate thing. The sun, the moon, the stars, etc. And he made life. In the beginning was the Word, The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. He made us. And He is our Creator. So why should it be thought strange that Jesus who made us can help us with our physical infirmities? Now this woman touched the hem of His garment. And she was healed. Now, in this case, one garment was not as good as another one, was it? Now, now she was in a crowd. He was in a crowd of people. But she reached out for the garment of Jesus. Somebody says, well, you know, as long as you touch a garment, it really doesn't matter. Just one is just as good as another. One is just as good as another. Well, in this case, one was not as good as another. And it wasn't the garment. It was the one wearing the garment. And uh, it took contact 
with Christ's garment. That is, it was with contact with Christ. And, and so the power was not in the clothing she had on. The power to heal this woman for her 12 years sickness was the one who's wearing the garment. Jesus can still help us with our infirmities. The Bible says that the prayer of faith can heal the sick, causes people to get up off their sick bed. I've seen that happen so many times. I've seen people who were seriously ill and maybe the church, the whole church had come together and pray for that person's recovery. And that person recovers. They recover. And somebody says, well, wasn't that a miracle? No, it, it took time for them to recover. You see, there is, a, there is a big difference in divine healing and miraculous divine healing. And some people attribute a miracle to that which is nothing more than God intervening and helping a person get well. Divine healing. All healing is divine. You, you go to your sick, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, I'm going to do all I can, and you need to ask God to help you to let everything that I'm doing work for your benefit. And the person does what the doctor says, and they pray that God will help them to get well, and they get well. Now, who actually healed that person? You say, well, the doctor did. No. I know some of them like to take credit for that. But God helped them get well. Now, if it was miraculous divine healing, number one, they wouldn't have to go to the doctor. Number two, they would get well immediately. Every miracle Jesus ever performed was instantaneous. The woman touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus didn't say, well, now, you're going to start getting well and get, getting better over the next few weeks. No, no, it was an instantaneous healing. So there is a difference in divine healing and miraculous divine healing. Now, if men could duplicate, think about this now, if men today can duplicate the miracles of Jesus, think about that now. They claim they can, some claim they can, and make a big show of it. Number one, how many people do you think that they could feed with five loaves and a few little fish? How many? You say, well, not very many. Jesus fed 5,000. And they had, they had leftovers. You ever have leftovers at your house? When I was a boy, there weren't any leftovers at our house. But when Jesus took just a, a, a small amount of food and he fed a huge multitude, 5,000 people. I know towns that are not that large. But you think about a town of 5,000 people and they're all hungry. And, and so here's a preacher comes to town and says, I, I'm going to feed all of you. And all I have is a, is a loaf of bread and three or four fish. And I'm going to feed every one of you. That's how Jesus operated. If men have that power today, I, I challenge them. How many people can you feed with five loaves and two, two little fish? How many? And if you can perform miracles, 
I challenge you to go to St. Jude Hospital and to heal every child there. I believe in healing. I believe that when we pray for God to help us to get, get well, that God hears our prayers and, and God helps us. He gives us the strength. He gives us the courage and, and, to, 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 and patience. We need patience when we're sick. Paul was an apostle. But Paul did not always perform a miracle to heal the sick when they were sick. He didn't always do that. For to take the example of Timothy, Timothy must have had some kind of stomach problem. And he told him to drink a little, uh, told him what to drink, you know, for his stomach's sake in 1 Timothy 5.23. And there was another brother by the name of Epaphroditus who was about dead that's in Philippians chapter 2. Nine to death, Paul said. Near death, at death's door. But there's no indication that Paul healed that man. You see, they did not always do that. We are to pray for people to get well today. And we have confidence in the prayers that we pray. Jesus showed his power over disease and could heal people. And Jesus still has power over disease today. And when we have the attitude of prayer about that matter, He's going to listen to us. I've known a people that near death. And, we, and prayer was had for them. And over a period of time, they recovered from their illness. I submit to you, it wasn't instantaneous, it was miraculous, but it was divine. But in closing, Jesus showed his power over death. When they crossed over to the other side, you'll notice that, that uh, he was met by a name, man by the name of Jairus, whose child was nearly dead. And in chapter 5 and down about verse number uh, 39, Jesus said, the child is not dead, the child is sleeping. And Jesus told the child, little girl, I say to you, arise and immediately the child arose and walked. Jesus had power over death. You see, Jesus Christ has power of life and death. He showed that power at the tomb of Lazarus. And one day, he'll show it when he calls us from the tomb. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.